0: and welcome to the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. I'm Shahana Knight, the founder of TPC Therapy and the creator of the Therapeutic Schools Award and the Therapeutic Teaching Course. And every week I'll be talking about all things related to well-being and mental health in schools. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of inspirational goodness to go out there and make a real difference in the lives of the children that you're working with. Each week will be full of innovative ideas, inspirational stories, practical guidance and even some freebies so that we can actually redefine what school should be for the children of today. You have so much power to make some real changes, so let me show you how. I'm so glad you found me here. Let's jump right in. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of our therapeutic teaching podcast. Today we're gonna look at our environments and how you can use your environments to cultivate learning. So this is one of my, I just love this episode. I love talking about this so much. I'm really passionate about it. And although I've got a two hour module on it, I feel like I could have like a seven hour module on it. Um, I just love environments. And I feel like this is another big piece of the puzzle that we're missing in education. So prior warning, I might push the boat out today. I might challenge your perception of what a school should be. I might offer some ideas that you think, what? (laughs) Um, But I want you to just keep an open mind because the fact of the matter is that our education system as well as the curriculum doesn't reflect the needs of children today. We are not teaching the children what they actually need to learn to be good adults in the future, where they are resilient, they can self-regulate, they understand who they are, they've got amazing emotional intelligence and they've got the passion, the drive, the inspiration and the self-belief to achieve. We're just not. We're failing them. And we're failing them for a number of reasons, one of which is what we actually teach. So the actual curriculum which we've touched on a little bit and we may touch on again um, but the actual curriculum is so pigeonholed that we're pushing children into a box that they don't need to be in and we're failing to recognise what their particular skill sets are and what their unique offer to the world is and that's really dangerous. And it's really sad because we're missing a whole host of opportunities for young people who, if they only believed they could do anything, would go out and do anything. And instead, we're making them think that their value is in what grades they get and whether or not they manage to tick some boxes, which is completely out of proportion to the real world. So there's that issue. There's also the issue of what schools feel like, look like, and what schools are as a what's the word as an industry is the wrong word as a building so the actual makeup of what a school is I think needs massive improvement now we start back at the basics and think about education in terms of the educational institute where you go it's very very similar to that of years and years and years ago absolutely like we we haven't really changed our schools in such a long time. Now, I remember going to school and primary school, and my classroom looked very similar to the classrooms of today. I remember, you know, brightly coloured walls, things on backboards. I remember having um, carpet time, sitting around tables. I remember being taught certain things, having boot work. Um, it was all the same. We might have adapted it, it might have grown a little bit, it might be um, developed, but not by much. It's very, very similar. And the the truth of the matter is that the world is not. The world has changed so much in the last, even just the last 10 years, it has changed so much. And we are not molding and growing and changing with the the times. You know, the child of today needs so many different things and there are so many different opportunities in the world and yet we're still teaching them the same thing. We're We're still inviting them into an environment that's exactly the same. But the actual person coming into that environment is so different and the opportunities and the lifestyle and the um, mindset and just the world they live in is very, very different. And that is really sad because I feel like we're missing, again, some really vital lessons around what we can teach kids because we're missing the point again we're missing the point and that's a real shame because again we're missing an opportunity to develop some pretty wonderful human beings because we're so stuck in this box of what schools should be and what schools have been that anything different and anything um that sort of challenges that is rejected and it's that might not be rejected by you but it might be rejected as an industry so What does that look like? What does that mean? There are loads of different things I could explore with this. Absolutely loads. But I'm going to try and keep it quite succinct. So first of all, let's just think about um, the brain. And we've talked about the brain now a few times in this podcast. And so you should know about um, how we go into fight, flight, freeze, how we go into our survival brain when we feel threatened and stressed and i just want to unpick that a little bit more today but but sort of less sciency because it's so relevant so let's start there so we need to think about the children in your class when they come into school there are so many stresses that those children could be experiencing that means that when they're ready to learn there's a barrier there to what they can learn or how they can achieve especially in schools that are in more sort of um, deprived areas or schools who have more children who need support with their emotional and mental health. So I suppose this is really relevant to that however it's relevant to all kids. So when children come in what are some of those barriers? Some of those barriers would be childhood trauma itself. So the numbers of children dealing with domestic violence, abuse, loss, all of those things are rising. So then, as we've learned in our previous episodes, when they come into the classroom, they're not gonna be able to learn because they're in survival brain. So that's a barrier. Along with childhood trauma comes a lot of beliefs about the world. Believing the world's not a great place to live, believing there's threat, believing they can't do anything, believing that um, life is hard, to get money is hard, and um, they're not going to succeed well. That um, the world is dangerous and scary. There's lots and lots of beliefs that they'll come into into the classroom with that you first need to break, actually, before they can start to flourish and learn. Because you can teach a child how to do spellings and write, but you can't teach a child to be enthusiastic and inspired to write and want to write, and want to teach people, and want to spread a message, if they don't believe people will listen. So the first thing you need to do is change their mindset, and change their belief system. Again, that's part of what a teacher, a therapeutic teacher is, it's understanding the whole child, and part the element that's missing of our teaching is that bit, Another barrier to learning is technology so think about at the minute all the technology that's out there and I'm going to do another episode of technology um, as a standalone podcast but just think about it like children have got access to so much technology and they use technology all the time and that might be social media, it might be phones, computers, iPads, gaming, there's loads and loads of different ways to access technology. And I feel that technology and what children are learning from technology and what we're then teaching in schools and how we deliver and, um, what we teach doesn't incorporate what's going on in terms of what they're learning with technology outside of school. So what I mean by that is I'm not talking about safe care and all of that sort of stuff. What I mean is if you're a child and you use technology every single day, um, then that's going to have an impact on you and one of the ways that that has an impact is it might make you more self-conscious because everyone's posting selfies that are perfect and yet you can't quite get the selfie to look the same way or you worry about your body image or you worry about your own um physical appearance so that might be an issue it might be that you see all your friends have got things that you don't have, the new watch, the new trainers, they get to go out with their family, they get to go to Alton Towers, they get to do all these things, they've got money and you don't. So it makes you start to question who you are as a person, that you don't have a great life, that your life's not worth putting on social media, that, you know, you, does that mean that your life is boring or that you're unhappy? And then you start to feel unhappy. There's that aspect. There's the, the, the aspect of what you're, um, what you're learning from social media. Are you... Are you exposed to news feeds? Are you exposed to other people's opinions? Are you exposed to um, videos that are maybe inappropriate that you're watching? Be that inappropriate in terms of um, maybe too old for you, or even just you know simple trends. Like I remember that there was a trend once where people would film other people slapping someone, so the trend would be that you would run down the street, slap someone. And then run away and that would be the video and it was really funny. But actually it's not funny and it's hurtful and it's teaching us to laugh at the expense of somebody else and all these other things. But what if that's in your in your awareness? What if that's something that you're looking at and watching or that becomes part of your culture? And then all the other things around, you know, that we talk about all the time. And I'm not going to touch on them, but things like um, cyberbullying and, um, you know, that sort of aspect of the dangers of using technology, you know, meeting people you shouldn't meet, etc. So there's so much that our children are experiencing that is in the real world. And yet education is supposed to be preparing the children for the real world, and we don't touch on any of that stuff. It's not in the curriculum. It's It's not prescribed that we teach them those things. And also, we're not teaching them about those things. So when children come into our classroom... Maybe they do have low self-esteem because of what they've been experiencing on social media. Maybe they do have low confidence. Maybe they are overwhelmed because they're constantly using a game that keeps them hyperactive, keeps them overwhelmed, keeps them um, engaged in this fast motion all of the time. Maybe that's an element. And that's going to impact their brain. It's going to impact their development of their brain. And what we learn in some of the other episodes is that When you're in your rational brain, you can think, you can problem solve, you can reason, you can learn. When you're in your survival brain, you can't. Now, I would argue that stress puts us in our survival brain. So when we feel really stressed, when we feel overwhelmed by something, we're more likely to be in our survival brain than we are to be in our rational brain. And being in the world where you can play games all day, no one tells you to turn it off for hours and hours and hours, Or you can be on social media, getting all of these influences from people, or you can watch TV all night or films all night that are a bit scary and inappropriate. All of those things are going to heighten your level of stress. So actually engaging on social media, engaging on phones, engaging in this technical world as a physiological response keeps you hyperactive, keeps your stress levels high. You're swiping, you're liking, you're doing all these other things and... It's not giving you any time to rest, not giving you any time to kind of calm down and bring yourself to a a point in your life where you can reflect, where you can take some time for yourself, where you can be calm and in turn, turn on your rational brain and learn about yourself and about the world. You know, very rarely do we have children now who just lie on their beds and think. If you're bored, you reach for your phone or you reach for the iPad or you do something, you fill that time, you fill that gap. And so in education, we need to be aware of that and take that into account. So we need to think to ourselves, okay, well, we know that there's this pocket of kids who are coming in, they've experienced adverse experiences at home, they've experienced trauma, i.e. stress levels are going to be high, they're going to be hyperactive, they're going to be tired, they're going to have low self-esteem, they're going to struggle. And there's this other pocket of kids, or the same pocket of kids, or all kids, who also struggle with um, the impact of social media and technology. So, you know, we've got social media and technology um, that is making them more hyperactive, making them more stressed, not giving them time to reflect or be still. Um, it's constantly in their minds, it's constantly in their consciousness. It might make them feel a bit low. It might make them feel a bit con- um, self-conscious. There might be all of these other things going on. So if that's the case, then when they're in school, are we taking those things into consideration before we teach? Or are we just expecting our children to come in, sit down, open their books, do the register, and learn? And then learn again, and then learn again, and then learn again, and then go home. I think we're probably on this hamster wheel of going right English, maths, spellings, this, da 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 da. And we might put a little bit of time in for other things, like PE, or we might do a bit of cooking, or we might do something else. But predominantly, the script, the ethos of a school, is to teach all of these things on the curriculum what we're forgetting is that the actual child coming into school has these other external influences that are going to create a barrier well if I my confidence is already low i'm not going to try new challenges because trying to challenge means i need to feel safe i'll only challenge myself when i feel safe i don't feel safe so i'm not going to challenge myself i'm going to turn away from that thing that i'm struggling with because i'm not resilient i'm not in a, a position where i feel like right i can fail at this and it's okay I fail all the time and I don't want to fail anymore. So we need to be aware of that. Now our environments can play a huge, huge, huge part in how we, our impact, how we can help the children through this. Now I'm not saying that you need to do a lesson on, well we should, but I'm not saying that you need to do a lesson on technology. I'm not saying that we need to um, sit down and you know focus on mental health and well-being in a specific way every single day all the time we do but that isn't something that I'm saying needs to um be this it's not a big massive issue that you need to um feed into and go okay well I now have to put my intention on all these other things sometimes it's as simple as you changing in the way that you um use your environment now, if you think about schools, all right, we know kids are coming in high practice. We know kids are coming in with low self-esteem. We know kids are struggling with self-belief and maybe negative thoughts that have come from trauma and technology and other things in their life. Let's create an environment that um, helps to address those issues and cultivates learning because learning will be hindered by those issues because like I said, you know, if you're feeling really low self-esteem, you're not going to want to learn. If you're feeling angry and frustrated and stressed out, your brain's turned off, you can't learn. So if we want to teach the children, we first have to address these lower level issues that are coming in, which are create barriers. So our environment can play a huge, huge part in that. And I don't think we think about our environments enough. You know, we have environments that are also hyperactive, that are also bombarding the kids, that are also stressing the kids out. We have environments that aren't well thought through. You know, we might have displays that have been up for a while or a bit tatty. We might have random colours all over the place. We might have lots of laminated things hung up or hung around. And very often I'll go into schools and sit in the room and go, this room makes me feel more overwhelmed, more stressed, more hyperactive and more challenged and um threatened than I was before now we don't want our rooms to mimic that of the outside world we want our rooms and our environments in schools to take into consideration those things and be completely different we need our schools to be calming we need our schools to be inviting We need the children who don't feel safe and loved at home to feel safe and loved at school, not just physically through you being with them but through the way the environment makes them feel. We need the children to want to come to school and enjoy being in that space and we need the children to be inspired inspired to learn and there are a few things you have to unlock before you can get there the first thing is what are the children struggling with in terms of mindset and belief system the second thing is what are they struggling with in terms of stress and hyperactivity so is the brain on or off are they emotional or are they in reptilian we need to fix that are they feeling safe are they feeling secure if they feel secure they can learn if they don't feel secure they won't learn and then what are we lear- what are we teaching them and how can they best get um use of that curriculum how can they best draw from that curriculum and how can we create a curriculum around what inspires them and makes them want to learn there's a few different elements rather than just jumping straight into teaching and your environment could do a lot of that so I want you to have a think about your environment and have a think about how your environments look and what they feel like if you're a child who already feels overwhelmed and you've sat in your environment would it make it worse would it make it better The thing that makes me really excited is changing completely the way that schools create this space for the children. It doesn't have to be a a room that you go in with work all over backboards, tables and chairs. It just doesn't. But we're programmed to believe that it does, but it absolutely doesn't. I know for my own self that if I was going to do a really, really difficult piece of work or challenge myself and do something I'd never done before, I'd want my environment to be a certain way for me to be able to acknowledge and un- unlock that part of my brain. So if I was already stressed out, let's say right now, again, I'm recording this during the coronavirus. Let's say that things are really stressful. We've just gone back into lockdown. and um, Parents are really tired. We, I'm really tired. I'm eight years old. I'm really tired. Um, I'm gaming quite a lot than usual, I'm on my phone quite a lot, I'm doing online lessons quite a lot, my kind of hyperactivity levels are up here, I don't really get time to relax or chill out or take a breath because there's no time to do that, you know, I've got all these other things to do, so if I was then to go into school, I would want to be in an environment that makes me feel really peaceful, really safe, really secure, that isn't a classroom full of work, full of colours, full of laminated sheets it's a classroom that helps me to learn and that's the difference it's not a room that's teaching 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 in all these other ways it's a room that helps me to learn and it's not about having the actual work on the walls in order for it to be teaching you the room can teach you in so many different ways so first and foremost how does the room make you feel is it calm is it relaxing is it somewhere that is inspiring There are some really easy ways to create an environment that feels really inspiring. Now I'll tell you some of them at the end, I'll give you sort of five key tips, but I suppose the thing that I'm getting at here is, why can't we change the way our classrooms look and our schools look? Why can't we strip it all back completely? And this is a great time to do it by the way because you know we've already stripped back the rooms so much, so as soon as we possibly can we should make some of these changes. I would be saying let's just reinvent our rooms If you were going to do some learning, would you want to sit around a stiffy table with really stiffy shoes on and sit on a really uncomfortable chair to work for six hours? I wouldn't. If I was choosing where to work, I do choose where to work. I run a business and I sometimes sit on my bed. Sometimes I sit on my dining table. Sometimes I'll sit on the sofa. And actually it depends on my mood. Do I need a little bit more of a comfortable experience today? Am I feeling a little bit tired, a little bit overwhelmed? Do I just need a bit of nurture? If so, I'll sit on the sofa with the cushions and a blanket and I'll do my work there. Or do I need a bit of structure? Do I need to feel like I've got, you know, um, a bit of clarity? Do I need a completely clear table and to just sit, sit upright for a little while because it helps me flow? Then I'll sit at my dining table. Or do I need to um, get a bit of fresh air? I might sit outside. That allows me to be creative. It allows me to flow in a natural way. And it allows me to tap into how I'm going to best learn that day. Our environments with children don't do that. We expect them to do the same every single day and we expect all the children to do exactly the same thing, irrespective of their own personal way of learning and their influences that are in their life. Are they having a day where they need to just have a bit of TLC? Are they having a day where they need to feel a bit more comfortable? Are they having a day where they've got loads of ideas and they need a bit of structure? If so, shouldn't they have different seating options? Shouldn't they have different pockets in the room that they can go to? My ideal classroom would be a room where you open the door and there's sofas, there's cushions on the floor, there's tents, there's hammocks, there's some tables and some chairs, but maybe in a bistro style or um, long benches across the back end of the room on stools. You know, it's somewhere that I can come into and choose where I need to be that day to get the best from my learning. Now, when I teach this to schools sometimes I give options of um, flexible seating. Now flexible seating can be anything. It can be that you allow your children to sit in a basket and that sounds really bizarre and this might be way to turn the podcast off um, but think about it. If you've got a child who's grown up in childhood trauma who feels really unsafe, who overspills, so they are often very emotional, they can get quite like um, overwhelmed by things, they really struggle because they just feel like there's this vast space and they don't know what to do with it, so they just get a bit hyperactive. If you can put them in a situation where they feel a bit more enclosed, they're going to feel safe. Right, that's how we work, that's how our brains work. So that might be a hammock with sides where they feel a bit more cocooned, it might be um, in a basket where they can just scrunch up and do their reading, it might be Um, that they get to have a blanket where they're learning and they just pull it around them and sort of push them into a cocoon. If we give the children those flexible options, we're going to get better learners. And I did this in a school. One of my schools did this and they had flexible Fridays on a Friday. And if you've done my course, you'll have heard this story. But they did flexible Fridays. And... um, This particular teacher, I think it was year five, might have been year six, said, okay, every Friday we're going to change our seats and you can sit wherever you want to sit. You can sit however you want to sit. And this particular boy, who um, really struggled with his behaviour and his learning, often couldn't concentrate for long periods of time, would get like quite irritated swing on chairs mess around interrupt other people's learning etc etc he chose to lie under the table and on a friday he would lie under the table and do his work and she got the most productive work out of him on a friday purely because he was allowed to lie under the table with his shoes off now if you ask me which one is a better option i would be saying to you that child who can sit under the table because he's comfortable, he's engaged, he's inspired, it works for him. If he can learn in that environment, why would we not let him learn in that environment? Why would we force him to sit at a table and chairs which has got absolutely no correlation on what he'll be doing in the future? Who's to say that he's not gonna be a programmer, lying under a um, a tent or lying in a dark room and programming away? That might be what he does in the future. Again, it might be that he's um, super into reading, but he doesn't want to read at a table, sat upright with a book in his hand, like really stiff. Instead, he gets inspired reading where he's comfortable. He wants to lie in a beanbag. He wants to curl up in a ball because his body feels good learning. He attributes that to the learning and he enjoys learning. And that's something that we're missing. Are the children inspired? Do they feel comfortable? Do they feel happy? Do they feel like there's a really good flow, an energetic flow with their work? Because if they do, they're going to learn that outcomes are going to be better. If they don't, they're not going to have good outcomes because they feel forced. It feels fake. It feels trapped. It feels stuck. It feels um, uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable physically, then your work will reflect that uncomfortable feeling regardless of whether or not... um, the work is good. If the work is good and you're thinking, well, yeah, I've got year six do amazing work, that's fabulous. But will they do even better work if they're inspired? Now, that doesn't mean every scenario. Of course, there's going to be times where the children have to sit at a table and do their writing. But there's so many opportunities where they don't have to do that. They can be problem solving and teamwork and um, talking to you about situations while they're on beanbags and chairs and desks and one of them's in a hammock and one of them's on the floor and one... Why not? The only reason we don't do that is because it makes us anxious because it's change and we go, oh my God, it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be hard. It's going to be, it isn't because those children are comfortable and happy. I remember delivering happiness project sessions to children in schools before this pandemic. And I would go out to schools and I would be with, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids in different classes and i would always allow the kids to sit on the floor in a circle and some of them would lie down some of them would lie on their backs some of them would lie on their fronts looking at me some of them would um be sat cross-legged some of them would be leaning against something and the teacher would be really anxious and be like sit up straight sit properly sit in a circle but why If they're listening and they're engaged and they're excited and their minds are going and they're feeling inspired, I do not care if that child is laid down. Because if lying down makes you feel excited and interested in the work, you lie down. If you lean up against a board helps you to just feel comfortable, Go for it because all I want is your ideas. I want to hear that you're inspired. I want to see that your brain's thinking. And if by lying down or like leaning against a block helps you to do that, great. I don't need you to be robots in a circle, sat upright, straight. Where in your life is that going to be helpful? And now I get that it's going to be helpful for social um norms, but not for your learning, not for your achievements. Literally, we're in a day and age now where you can go into a cafe, sit down on a sofa and work all day and make millions. You can sit and do a YouTube video and be a millionaire. You can um, be a writer and write in the garden or write in your bedroom or write on your bed or write in a cabin as long as you're writing, it doesn't matter, as long as the product that you're giving is your best work, who cares where you're doing it, we're in such a creative age, and I think we're still stuck in this mindset that children have to be little robots, and line up neatly, neatly in this kind of line, I'm not talking about a physical line outside, I'm talking about like, all be the same cookie cutter, and that's not true of real life, I'm sure how I read is different to how you read. I'm sure that if we sat and asked our kids, sorry, if we asked our staff in the staff room, where do you read? Do any of you read before bed? Where do you read? Some will say, I read on the sofa with my shoes off my pyjamas on. I read on my bed. I read outside on the bench. I read on a blanket. Some might say, I only read on holiday because I'm on a lounge and I feel I like reading in the warmth. No one will say, I read at my table sat upright with my book in my hand. You might have one or two that say that, but not very many of them will say that because you're not inspired sat upright with a book in your hand reading. So why do we do that to our children when we want them to read in school? Why can't they lie on the floor? Or why can't they lay on pillows? So there's a lot, I think, that needs to change. We can have discussions with kids. It doesn't matter where they are. Again, I remember doing these happiness projects and I remember this one particular group was a very vulnerable group. A lot of them were in care or had just been moved into care. And we were doing a lesson about feelings and we were talking about this... One of the lessons is, it looks at like death and loss, and how this girl um, manages those feelings. It's part of the wellbeing curriculum, and I was doing it the year five and year six group again. Like I say, very challenging, and I started the session off in a circle, on your bum in a circle, and ended the session with children under the table, somewhat on the table, sat up on the tables because the tables had been pushed back so they were sort of sat in a line with their legs against the wall. All of them had taken their shoes off. Not once had I lost their interest, not once had they disengaged and all of them were sharing some of their deepest, deepest feelings. I had children say to me, I remember when I was taken into care, I remember how it felt and sometimes I feel like left out because I'm in care and then another child will go, I'm in care and I feel the same way, don't worry, you know, I've had that experience. One child started to talk about how his parents had divorced and the day that he had to choose between them and this conversation was so raw and so real and it's because those kids felt safe. Because they felt like they were in a position where they felt secure. Some of them were in a ball under the table with their legs up, chatting, staring at me, really engaged. But they needed to be in that position to feel safe enough to share. Some of them were in little groups, like all lined up, because obviously it's before the virus. Shoulders touching, legs entwined, sharing a story. Brilliant. You go for it, because if you feel secure while you're in that position, but you can share and you can reflect and you can learn brilliant so I think what we need to do is start to challenge the way we look at school what are our classrooms teaching the children what are our classrooms saying first of all are they calming enough to shift the rational brain on so they can actually learn and second of all are they are they cultivating learners are they it's the classroom the way the classroom is designed allowing the children to be their very best self in a way that's going to help them to feel inspired enough to learn or not our conventional way of working they're not my idea would be almost like a bistro setup, a few circle tables and chairs, a few pods and cushions on the floor, like I say some maybe some hammocks, some tents, and um, maybe some like rows at the back against the table, like you know, like your old fashioned computer desks where it's sort of all pushed up against table chairs, stools, the room would look and feel like a certain theme, so it might be that the room is like um green white and earth colours or maybe the room is um black and white not bombarding them with colour but actually put together in a way that makes them feel inspired and engaged and want to learn it looks like someone cares enough about the environment for them to be in it it's not got teachers work all over the show and scribbled work and it's not got bits of laminated stuff hanging around their heads it's purposeful it's calm it's inspiring if I walked into that room as an eight-year-old, I would go, wow, really want to learn in here. I can pull a blanket up and sit on a beanbag and listen to this math lesson. Great, because I really struggle with maths. It's something I really, really struggle with. So if I can sit on a beanbag and just get that little bit of tactile safety from this blanket, I'd be watching. Perfect. I'm all in. But if you want me to sit at a table where I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to start pushing my chair back. I'm going to start messing with other people. I'm going to start chit-chatting away because I don't feel safe and secure. and don't feel comfortable. So, there's so much we can unpick, and I don't want to go on and on and on. I mean, we're half an hour in. Um, There's so much we can unpick. So, I suppose there's a few things here. There's two things here. The first thing that you can take away from this podcast episode is number one, how does the room make the children feel? And number two, how is the room designed? So, the first thing, how does the room make them feel? There are some really simple things that you can do to change the way your room feels. Try and take it away from your conventional school. The first thing you can do is change your colours. Literally change I'll give you that one for free. Change your colours. You don't have to do the course. Change your colours. You do have to do the course, but obviously that's the first thing I'd be saying for you. So if you know that your room is red, blue, green, um, orange, because that's the only backing paper you can find. That's the only stuff that you can find. And you've got loads of laminated stuff in different colours as well. You've got a big multi-tonal rug. Everything that you do is colour, 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 colour just think about that for a minute, is your room inviting, is it calming or is it overstimulating, take about, take it now in this day and age, yeah we've been told to use colours in the past but in this day and age the kids need far less bombardment because of all those factors we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, so strip it back, think about your house, if you were to design your house, what would you choose, would you choose grey and white, would you choose grey, white and black, would you um choose wallpaper like this behind me and create a theme? So you might have wallpaper if you if you're listening to the podcast version that's audio, you won't be able to see it. But on our YouTube version, you can see this wallpaper is like a brick effect wallpaper. That wallpaper paired with um rustic browns and greens, super calming. Reinvent your room. Think about a theme. Do you want it to look bit bistro-y? Do you want it to look um kind of um, earthy? Do you want it to look really funky like um, edgy like blacks and whites? Think about it and go away and design it. Choose wallpaper instead of backing paper and choose three colours maximum. That's a really good starting place so that when the kids come in, it all feels uniformed, it all feels put together. And you basically said to the kids, hey guys, here's a room that I know you're gonna love because this is a room we can respect, share together, and it's somewhere that you can really feel inspired and ready to learn in, rather than this is a room that tells you everything you've got to learn on the boards and it's really, really full of color and you don't really know where to look because there's so much going on. So if you're overwhelmed, then you can look at this overwhelming backboard for learning, instead, repurpose it make it calming the second thing you can do is introduce backboards change your backboards now again there's a load of stuff I can say about backboards but the, the one key point about backboards is this do they have to display work probably not instead they could display wallpaper they could have a few key things up just a few they could have lights on them They could have um, inspirational quotes on them. And you know that if you've got a big quote on your board that says, um, you can do anything, in big bubble writing, laminated laminated writing, you can do anything and that's it. The board is just, you can do anything. And you've got a child who's overwhelmed because of social media and doesn't feel good enough and maybe feels like they're not quite um, confident enough, they can look up at that board and go, I can do anything. That's far, far, far better for them. And their mindset and their belief system then looking up at the board going, oh God, there's the maths equations I need to learn and that's the English and that's the, and and da, 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 da. Or there's an example of all the other kids' work that's really, really good, but mine didn't make the board. So think about that first. Is your room calming? And there's loads of ways to make it calming. What I'll do is I will link some of the um, magazine articles that I've written on calming environments and you can sort of pull some information from those. The second thing is, how is it designed? How is it designed to inspire learners? So think about your seating can you change the seating in the room can you introduce things like stools and benches can you introduce bean bags obviously not yet with the virus but this is something you could work towards can you let them sit on the floor can you offer them blankets if they need blankets in the future think about what that room would be think about the children in your care and how you can inspire them to learn best it might be as simple as letting them take their shoes off so have a little think about is your room Um, designed to help them to learn is that is that room designed to help them to learn so I know I've went through that really quickly but I hope that it's helped to just give you an idea about how we can start to change our environments now this runs right the way through the school you can change your hallways you can change your reception area you can change your outdoor areas there's loads and loads and loads that you can do and this is about being therapeutic it's not just about being a therapeutic teacher it's also about having a therapeutic, embedded approach across the whole school, knowing that at the beginning and the end of everything, mental health and well-being is at its core. And if you can inspire those kids and help change their mindset through your environment, why would you not? Now we're going to leave it there. I'll link some things at the bottom to help you to kind of have a little think and um, read a little bit more and I really really hope this has helped you. As usual if you want any more guidance or support then there's lots and lots of places you can find that but I hope this podcast has been inspiring. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again in another episode. Bye. I hope you've loved this week's episode of the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. If you want more help and support to become a therapeutic teacher, but don't know where to start, then head to tpctherapy.co.uk and enrol in my free course now and get started.